0: Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this episode of Can't Find My Way Home, I was joined by Nick Barone. Nick, originally from New York, has been a long-time resident in South Korea. Together we discuss some of the opportunities that lie outside of teaching English for expats, as well as one or two of the examples that we've experienced personally. We kick off the conversation with how Nick first started getting modelling gigs and how it all works from an expat perspective. Of course, we get into some of the pros and cons of the business, the viability of doing it full time, and the role of social media and influencers. There's talk of networking, utilising language skills, and what opportunities there are in film, advertising, TV, and radio. In a super top 5, we get into ZZ Top Riffs, a Desert Island album or two, and ask the tricky question Are the Beatles overrated? As well as Nirvana, Pantera, the Jungle Giants, Culture Vulturing, and still listening to Kangnam Style. Let's get right to it. Nick Barone
1: I think I just piggybacked off What the kids were doing So when Instagram was in its infancy Well, a couple of years later My son was born And I told my wife, you know Maybe you should make an Instagram page with my son And within six months He's doing photo shoots with, you know, celebrities So the baby market was really, really big And... I never really thought of it. I mean, you do see the the foreign celebrities in Korea, but you don't really see a lot of the other stuff because it's more geared towards like children's products. And so the first thing I did was, the first couple of things I did just were like modeling for strollers and those types of things. And then I started to do some more video commercial type things. And then just a couple of weeks ago I was in a rap video, uh the uneducated kid. Uh I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. About five hours. So I mean it's it's pretty and then you once you get into it, what I think's interesting, one is I didn't know it existed, but it's a completely group it's a completely different group of people. They're not teachers, they've never been teachers. They're coming from all over the world, and that's what they do for a living. And so It's a completely different perspective of Korea, the work style, the lifestyle, opportunities. And so it's kind of a fresh feeling in a way of like you're talking with people that have no outside perspective other than just being, you know, a model. So, I mean, how do you get into I mean, I think especially with like Instagram these days, you know, all the recruiters, there's different agencies and i don't I know with covid it's been more difficult for them, but it seems like it's for some of them it's quite a lucrative thing i mean you can- i mean do a- for
0: for anyone who's interested the way the way it happened for me or the way I kind of got into it was twofold one was I think I just even answered an ad an ad on Craigslist. list
1: okay, this is going
0: back sometime that might have been the first time something happened, and then after that someone's got your number and then they would have like a list of things that you can do, so mine would be playing drums or looking scottish or whatever it was these are are my extraordinary skills you know so they're like okay they're small feet whatever it was wide hands whatever it was you're kind of uh you you can contribute to this kind of so sometimes i would get emails or phone calls and they would say we need or, or my age even you know it might be a guy who was 35 right, right. to 40 or whatever it was that we're looking for and they would say can you do this or can you do that or do you know how to do archery and you're like yeah of course right because when i grew up everyone runs about with a bow and arrow right, 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 that, you right. Know, sidearms and all this kind of stuff so yeah you, you you took some interesting jobs and of course the the job i was doing at the time the university work also you didn't really work five days a week you had a tuesday maybe or a whatever day it was off. Well, sometimes they happened on the weekend, but I mean, these were quite long shoots and all that kind of stuff. You would be sitting in your hands for yeah, was on hours on end. And then they're like, okay, go, you know, and you're like, Oh, the other thing that I did was uh, the last thing that I did before I left was for Disney, it was Shanghai, Disneyland or Disneyland, China, or whatever. I don't know what it's called, but I did a video for a uh, frozen. That was like uh, a two day shoot thing. Did you sing? <laughs> and there's only so much I can take. I think, you know? <laughs> Not so, I was a, I was an elder in the village, or I was a, I was going to say a member of the village people, but I think they were going down a different path here, you know. But I was, right, I was right. an old man, I was an old man in the village, even though obviously by my my good looks, <laughs> I'm not that old <laughs> compared to the kid who was a the video, I'm an old man, right? So yeah, that now, was interesting.
1: Well, I mean, and you have the experience of, I mean, I would go on some of these shoots, and the amount of money that you would make from doing it would take me maybe a week in the teaching world. And so when I'm talking to some of these younger models and they're, I wouldn't say complaining, but they're kind of like, well, it was kind of long for the money. I say, yeah, but you don't have the perspective of, you know, you you you. it might take you 10 hours to make that in the teaching world. You just did nothing for four hours. And, you know, so it's tempting in a way. I mean, I wish I could do it. I think I'm a little aged out now. Like you said, you have to have those niche roles. So I have been able to get in doing kind of business type of attire. What
0: was the thing you did recently? Uh, before the uh, before the video that you just posted with uh, the… I did a fishing,
1: a fishing that a was fishing it. one. Yeah. Tell us a little yes. bit about that. Yeah, so uh, it's funny because my wife said, "Okay, you've got this job. You got to go down here." and And they sent me the script. So in the taxi going down, I'm reading the script, and it's for a shower, uh, like a travel shower head. And uh, so I get there and <laughs> the I show up.
0: You were talking about or something in it, you know?
1: It's- yeah, so like I, I show up and I get in there, and they've got this 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 fishing apparatus, right? It weighs the fish and and measures the fish, and I go. But like I was just reading the script for the shower head and they go, Oh no, that's a different one. You're you're gonna do this fishing thing on the spot, literally on the spot. So I said, Oh, okay. So I changed and had to act like I was a it's a company and I, I like the idea. The company is they do the videos for Kickstarters. So a lot of the Korean companies, they want to have sort of an international feel, and they don't have the skills, you know, at least the English skills. And so they hire out a company that does the script and gets the actors and does the final product for them. <clears throat> they, I was like the main guy who was the team campaign head or something. So I'm like, hello, the big there, cheese. Please. I'm Nick, and I'm da 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 And uh, I mean, they got their goal. But when I uploaded, a lot of my friends were like, "Man, I didn't know you had a fishing company."
0: Right. Yeah. It's a real element to it, you know?
1: I don't have a fishing company. But I mean, I think that's the thing now is there that I don't believe that sort of, especially for the small business, it didn't exist in the years past. Now it's pretty cheap to be able to do it and record. And there's a market internationally that maybe wasn't there in, you know, the early 2000s. You yeah. know, YouTube wasn't even really in existence at that time. So it's you know, when I first came, I remember a couple of people that did you know the show in Korea, you know what I'm the show in Korea where it's like the reenactment show.
0: The surprise? It's,
1: yeah, the, yeah. On right? a Sunday so,
0: morning or the right, yeah, the, Sunday morning. Right, Sunday morning, yeah, surprise.
1: So I knew a couple guys that did that type of thing. Yeah. And a buddy of mine owned a restaurant down in Pangyo. And he did a, he was the chef for Outback Steakhouse uh, when they did their commercials. But outside of like those big, big opportunities, there wasn't a lot of the smaller opportunities out there. And it wasn't really a trend to have foreign parents in videos. And I think that's where it kind of jumped off was a lot of the videos that I'll do is usually like children type of things. And it's too foreign parent. But there's a lot more smaller opportunities now because it doesn't cost as much to edit videos and film, and there's a purpose for it. They can put it on YouTube, they do Kickstarter, it's for Instagram, whatever you know their outlet sure. is. I don't know what there was when I first came, but now it seems like there's quite a bit, and it seems like a pretty legit market. I mean, I, I've met quite a few people that do it actually for a living. I don't think that I would do that, but just based on I don't know if it would be consistent enough.
0: You, you don't know where it's going to take a dip, you know, unless you unless you know where the bodies are. I suppose, right? That's uh, right. Kind
1: of. I mean, but some of these, I mean, man, I, you get a little envious in the sense of some of these people that I work with. I mean, they're flown all over the place. All you know, they'll fly them down to Jeju to do a couple day shoot. You know, stay in a nice hotel. We got one of those this summer. We actually got to go to the oceanside, and you know, they paid for the hotel right on the beach. You know, so it was kind of a vacation. That we got paid for and the kids did it with me so you know i was just kind of a stand in yeah i mean it's one of those things that i think like you were saying too you have to be on a certain visa or you have to have the certain job you know i I don't i for an e2 i don't think it's a viable thing yeah you're going to
0: need this specific kind of visa for it eh? like if you're sponsored by your academy or whatever school you work for or the elementary school programs kind of thing you you might not be able to do it.
1: No, but I mean, I just met a woman the other day. I think she's 65 and she came directly here. She's she's Jewish. So she lived half in America and half in Israel and she's retired and she decided to come to Korea to be a, a actress and she does like all the grandmother roles <laughs> and she got with an agency and they sponsored her visa. I don't know the exact visa type. Yeah. Okay. I mean, she says she does all right. She says she makes better money than if she was working at, you know, a a grocery store in America or something, you know. And she's like, I get to see the world. Pretty low stress level. You know, I mean, it's a market for everybody. You know, I mean, there's not that many older looking foreigners in Korea, usually, that would be up for doing it. So there's a market for that.
0: Would you say that it's. Is something that you would like to carry on with, regardless of your kids, how, you know, them growing up and so on. But is there other opportunities that you would like to?
1: Yeah, I mean, outside of the modeling and the acting or within that? Yeah, yeah. Well, the other
0: things that can spring from
1: it. I think, I mean, I could see where maybe you could turn it into, you know, I, I don't know how much you could profit off of it. But when I went and did the Kickstarter, I noticed a lot of, problems with like drip, for instance. I think you could do something on a small scale yourself where if you had the equipment, the problem is, is you would have to get connected with the companies that are looking for that type of service, right? When I did the rap video, I did some directing as I was in there because the guy, you know, he had his own little crew. I saw things And I said, well, maybe you should do this or you should do that. If you check out the video, it's my brag. But when you check out the video, he's reading the newspaper upside down. And uh, I told him, I said, why don't you hold it upside down because you're uneducated? He's like, oh, good idea. (laughs) So he held the newspaper upside down. You know, so like within that, I see like little areas of being able to prosper from it. My Mm. biggest thing that I was trying to do here. I got it off the ground. And then it's hard because you have to rely on people. But what we do with the kids is it's in all content. what, What do they call them? Social media influencers, influencers. Yeah. There's a lot of merchandise out there that you can obtain for free. And so with the kids, you know, they get all sorts of stuff that you can then flip and turn it into profit. And so what I started to do, I started my own little kind of agency business. And what I would do is I was kind of the middleman where I would contact the photographers and I would contact the companies that were offering some product, whatever fit their niche. So, for instance, at my last school, there was a professional golf. So I told her, I said, listen, I will contact companies in America and see if they want to use you as an influencer. So I found her a contract of an American golf company. And so now she's got a golf company that's supplying her with free product, shirts and clubs and all these types of things. And then what I do is I contact a local photographer in Korea and they have an opportunity to take pictures for a company that's already established for a golfer who's up and coming. So now it's like a circle. So the golfer gets the free stuff. And the free photo shoots, which helps out her Instagram. The company who's supplying the product gets the golfer. And the photographer gets the free publicity of taking pictures of a golfer using a... Now you have this circle. And you'd be surprised how many opportunities. Because photographers are always wanting... They will charge. But a lot of the times they want a good model. And they'll do it for free. And the models can get free product, which then they can just end up selling right once they've done taking pictures with them. And I saw it across the board where I could do it with artists and I could do it with models and you could do it with athletes. That's the biggest thing I've been trying to work on lately is sort of trying to connect. Everybody's screaming into a giant tunnel, you know, look at me, look at my service, but there's too much of it out there. And so you need to kind of have those connections to be able to promote what you're doing through another avenue and then they can promote you through another avenue. And I think there's enough small business out there now. It's not like, you know, if you're a drummer, you don't have to get a, you know, you don't have to call Zildjian or, or, or you don't have to call one of the big companies. There's enough out there now that you can start small and work your way up where you can kind of get some networking going. So, I mean, that's kind of what I was hoping I started doing it last year and then it kind of fell off because people, um, are not very reliable at times. So it's hard, you know, you set up a photo shoot and then the model can't do it. And then the photographer's angry when you're starting out, it's, you're not doing it for a ton of compensation, but I saw it with the kids. I mean, that's what happened with the kids. I mean, we would get free photo shoots because the, 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 the photo studios wanted to use the kids. And so now the kids can build their portfolio. Now they take their portfolio and now they can go to the bigger companies and now they're going to start getting paid for it. And then they start getting free products. So then we could take some of that product and we can sell some of that. We don't need 67 t-shirts. So you start to kind of build on each other. And so I think if you're in Korea and you're a musician, or if you're an artist or whatever it is, I think there's opportunities. You just have to kind of get out there and find it and a lot of people just don't do it because you know they're busy or they don't know about it that type of thing you know
0: some of the characters you met on these uh shoots whether they're video shoots photo shoots and the like and you were just explaining there about the the lady who was spent half her time in the states and israel and stuff i mean it's amazing where some of the people you meet along the way you're just kind of like this is a, it's a little bit surreal actually but if we look at maybe the younger market in this sense you know because Primarily, it's younger people who are going to go to South Korea either to to work, to teach, to study, and so on. You know, people in their early twenties to yeah, early thirties. I would say you just wonder whether the lim- linguistic skills that they might have as well could make a difference. Have you found Huge. anything like that along the way?
1: Yeah. No. I mean, that's my ignorance. I feel silly every time people ask like, oh, well, you must be Korean. And I'm like, no, I must not (laughs) Uh, not well enough. Yeah. That's the biggest part. I think it's, and that's the different perspective of things. You know, I didn't come here to study Korean. I didn't come here for Korean history, although I did come to Korea because I wanted to go to Asia and that type of thing, but that wasn't my sole purpose. I came as an English teacher and I mean, clear as day, I remember the first job I had they said you can't study you can't take English classes because we don't want you to waste your time away from work. So I, Korean classes just, even. Right. So like they didn't <laughs> want that because then they've got you on lockdown. You you're a complete helpless, you know, person. Yeah. But well, you just um, go through
0: that spit cycle of just rinse and repeat, you know, over and over again for the next year. That's it. Yep.
1: And and so with but when I meet all these younger people that are coming from all over. I mean, I'm talking I mean, they're coming from Europe. America, South America, there's even some from Africa, I mean, all over. They are coming here for their, they're coming here, a lot of them, as exchange students. They're coming as language students. So it's a different, they're coming here for their I'm not saying I didn't love Korea, but they're coming for their love of Korean things, music and dramas and those types of things that they've seen. And so a lot of them I've met were already speaking Korean before they came here. Right. They were studying it in their home country. Mm. I met a girl from Poland the other day I was on a shoot with and she was studying Korean in Poland and then came to Korea. And so, yeah, that's huge because it's you're working for Korean companies. And I mean, most of them, they're not speaking any English at all. If you're going to get into that, I would say that that is a definite must. And there's going to be... Because you're going to do... I know a girl, she's pretty popular. Um, She does television and does you know dramas and commercials and all those types of things. And she's fluent in Korean. Because most of those things are not in English. You know, I mean, she goes on the TV shows and she's speaking in Korean the whole time. She's in a movie and whatever, talk show. So... Definitely the Korean thing is, I would say, without it. The only reason they hire me is because I'm cheap and I'm already right.
0: You're selling yourself short, Nick.
1: (laughs) But I mean, (laughs) you know, I mean, when it comes down to it, when it comes to direction and all those things, I'm kind of helpless at times, although I can follow directions well enough. But I can't sit down and, and have a conversation about the tourism in Jeju in Korea, right. you know? Yeah. So I would definitely say that the Korean side of things, um, if, if if they're going to, if you're interested in it, you'd the language you would definitely want to have.
0: Do you think that there's also this, um, they have a specific type of person? I mean, Korea's had some issues in the past that we just focus on South Korea anyway, where they've uh, like, blackface and i believe the phrase is right or the the term and they've used this kind of certain stereotype of quote unquote foreigners in these kind of ways i mean have you come across anything like this in your because you know they're using certain stereotypes to sell certain products i don't know if this happens anymore but
1: i think you see it it from time to time i definitely think it does yeah i mean not super personally i mean i don't I get why they use foreigners for a lot of the products because they want to have that image. I mean, that is probably the most benign that I've seen of it is that they could just as easily use Korean people, but they want to have this product feel as like an international type of thing. I mean, I haven't really been put in. I know a lot of the people, when you go into some of these things, you have to be extremely positive about all aspects of the society here. So I had like an interview they were talking about businesses and I don't think they used my bit because I was kind of bad mouthing sort of the bigger businesses and their control and and you know their squashing of creativity And but I mean I haven't seen too much and I, I think outside of the racial part of it if you want to act like a fool and you know it I say then I guess it's up to you. It's a bit Sad that we get kind of bunched into it because when people do see that on TV, you are playing the fool. But I mean, you just my whole take on that side of it too. I think has always been it's more out of a a, out of the side of ignorance than hate when it comes to some of that stuff. So a couple months ago, that vid that viral video of the the guy I forget which country in Africa, but they were carrying the coffins.
0: Oh, yeah. Coffin I think it's Ghana. Dance.
1: And here, a bunch of the Korean high school students were kind of dressed, you know, they did the black face and did the type right. of thing. Right. Yeah. And I don't, it wasn't a hate. It was just more of not understanding what was wrong with it. But I haven't seen too much. I mean, like, at least not in our part of it. I mean, they will make you kind of play the foolish monkey kind of role in the sense of like you've got to play the clueless idiot foreigner, but it's not like a racial tone as much. At least not in my it's just, perspective. A, it's
0: just a part. Yeah. It's just you you're just filling a role.
1: But if you flipped it and let's say you were doing this in Scotland, America, Germany, and you had Asians playing a role of like a stupid person, I think then it would be not as acceptable.
0: Right. You 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 probably wouldn't get away with it, you know, period.
1: I, and so, like, that's what, you know, I was just watching TV the other day, and they had some foreigners, like a couple, and they were eating at a restaurant, a Korean restaurant, and, like, they couldn't use chopsticks. And... It <laughs> have all been there, mate, you know? It's, uh, <laughs> and they, like, everything was extremely foreign to them, even, like, the most basic dishes that you would have in any country. You know, like, I, I think there was a fish dish, and they're, like, looking at it like they'd never seen fish before. And so like, that's not the racial component. That's just more of the clueless. I've always said one of the best uh, reality shows would be take the mothers I grew up with in central New York and send them to China for six months. I think that that would be an amazing show of seeing these people completely out of water, stuck in a place where they can't speak the language, just clueless to what the food is. And that's what's kind of fun about traveling. I don't mind those as much as some of the shows where like when somebody eats food, everything is the most delicious food they've ever eaten. The hottest, the most delicious. My daughter watches a Korean show with two Korean girls who will eat candy. It's terrible. It's extremely unhealthy. But everything is so sour. And I'm like, (laughs) it's not that sour. But like it's that overreaction stuff. Right. Um. That's more disingenuous. I feel like my my funniest thing coming here, I went to a Chinese restaurant the first or second day I was in Korea and I knew Chinese food from America. So I went in to the restaurant, Korean Chinese restaurant, and I said, you know, okay, I know one thing. I know Lao Mein. So I went up to the counter and I was like, Lao Mein. And the lady was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, Lao Mein. I had no idea. <laughs>
0: Just keep repeating the same thing, you know.
1: And so then I, uh, then I uh, just picked up a menu and I just pointed at something I thought was something I'd eaten, and I don't even know what I ordered, and I brought it back, and it was nothing that I'd ever experienced. So like that to <laughs> me is more genuine
0: yeah. of
1: of an experience. No, I mean I haven't seen too much of that. Um, I think they're probably getting audited more now in the sense of. You know, if you're going to get it out there and it's going to be put on YouTube and Instagram and those types of things, people see what you're doing now much, much easier and, and they'll call you out a lot quicker on some of those actions.
0: Yeah, I mean, kind of slightly moving away from where we started in the kind of more visual or photographic of opportunities, there's also the radio uh, industry in South Korea that offers quite a lot of uh, opportunities for expats, foreigners, whatever you want to call them in Green americans particularly oh, i forget what it's called no i worked for them for years TBS, EFM, or, yeah, I used radio, to listen. or
1: i used to play your show uh i forget what place i was working at i used to put it on the radio because you know we used to have a little radio 5 p.m
0: every wednesday that yeah. was us right? <laughs> it was my
1: evening class and i would put it on the cassette player on the a.m and i'd listen to it in the car sometimes too when I, was Despite, I
0: was quite lucky I was given an opportunity to do it and uh, it, it ran for a, a very long time I think the only reason it stopped was the country, right? they couldn't get rid of me you know but uh, yeah I was, I, was, <laughs> I, I was happy I was working with good people and I was in a kind of niche where been able to produce content you know and it, uh, we, we did the show live as well which was quite exciting you know you kind of just into that whole uh, different mindset of how to do things well- and stuff
1: and it's it's fruitful for everybody. My biggest thing here is I think why it hasn't worked to integrate people from other countries as much is you have to give people the same opportunities to do what they love. Maybe not on the same scale, but you have to give people who are here from other places that opportunity to have an outlet of something they really enjoy. If not, you create a lot of miserable people who don't really aren't satisfied with their journey. So, I mean, you as a musician, you get to come here. You got to be in a band the whole time you're here. You got to be on the radio and talk about music. And that makes your day in daily life a lot more tolerable and productive <laughs> feeling. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the things I noticed here when I first came was is you really have to find those things, because if not, there's not a lot of alternatives for you to really get involved in things. And that's been the biggest downfall. Um, You know, you can't get involved in, you know, there are clubs and those types of things you can do. And you really have to get on with that. Because if not, I think you get kind of eaten alive of you don't feel like, you know, your nine to five is as productive as you thought it would be. Yeah, I don't know. Is radio still a thing? Are people still? (laughs) Yeah,
0: I haven't listened to it since I left, to be honest with you. I mean, unless I still listen to the radio, but not a channel that I was a part of.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's weird, right? Because it's, I've seen a lot more content being pushed out, especially with the foreigners, like on TikTok. There's quite a few uh, foreigners that'll do like my experience in Korea type of thing. YouTube, there's quite a few YouTube channels. Cool.
0: Top five classic riff,
1: Nick. Classic riff. I would say, I'm not saying it's the best, but the most recognizable would maybe be uh Lagrange by ZZ Top.
0: ZZ Top have so many to pick from. I think actually, you know, the whole band cat—it's uh, a really unique sound.
1: Well, and they were one of the bands that I grew up with. Like they were, like they were the ones making really cool videos on MTV. And, but you didn't know, I didn't know that my uncles were listening to that stuff back in the late, you know, well, early 70s. Early 70s, it, yeah.
0: Trades Hombres and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah, right. I, I think know.
1: 71, 72, 73, right. something like that. And so, like, as a kid, you're like, ZZ Top, these guys are like a new band. No, they <laughs> weren't. Granted, it was only, you know, 10, 15 years. But, yeah, I would say, like, I don't know. There's something, I don't listen to that song very often, but it, if ever comes on, it's one of those songs where, like, it just gets you to like man it's Friday it's time to party or I don't know it's just it's just one of those riffs that really um it's
0: that ear guitar moment
1: yeah I mean it, it's maybe a little too mainstream and those types of things but I I just feel like it's one of those things where like I don't care who you are if you've ever even heard the song it just puts a little pep in your step
0: nice way to put it how about a desert island island
1: such a thing
0: hard to kind of, earlier we talked about iPods and Walkmans, so as we're right. gentlemen of a certain, certain generation
1: Okay, oh. well I'll throw out just because it comes ah, does it have enough tracks on there? Maybe not. Something that you said that you always go back to, right? I would say I hate to always say Radiohead because it's such a stupid answer Alright, well you get, you go first. How's that sound?
0: <laughs> nice, Nice switch A Desert Island album, I mean there's an album I can go back to time and time again, and I've not listened to it for a year, probably more, and that's uh, The Smiths' half Full of Hollow. And I've just listened to it from the end, and it just takes you on this kind of, know, a very up and down journey, but, you know, from the sound of the guitars to back to memories of the, f- the first band that I saw live with The Smiths, and uh, just kind of standing there in awe thinking, this is, this wrong. But then the 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 gig I was at got a little bit surreal because people were not just throwing flowers onto the stage, doing that whole flowers in his jeans thing. It yeah. was like there was like pine trees and all sorts of stuff getting brought onto the stage crowd. It was just yeah, and I was like fifteen. And I'm like, I get school in the morning, man. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll... the sound of things like "How Soon Is Now" or "This Charming Man" yeah, right. or
1: yeah, this... these
0: kind of classic uh, sounds.
1: Well, I mean, and for me, like I never really experienced them until I was a bit older because I knew of Morrissey before I knew of the Smiths because we weren't I wasn't by the time the 90s rolled around Morrissey was kind of not real cool anymore. He was kind of he was following
0: that path. That's for
1: sure. He was he was he was respected and revered as like a pioneer of like that genre. I think probably The Cure was seen as more, they had more weight because they were still making music in the 90s that was recognized, like, you know, in the Crow soundtrack and that type of stuff. Whereas like Morrissey was on his own thing, so he was always kind of like the butt of a joke. But when I started to get into more stuff in the 20s, like Meat is Murder, Murder is Meat, which, which way? Meat is Murder, again. yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the one you just said, I'm not always great with names, but... uh Heartful of
0: Hollow is the blue one.
1: Oh, it's yeah, right, right, right. And when you look at Mar was how old? Nineteen, twenty when he was writing that yeah. stuff. Um, and I always liked the bass stuff. I always liked the bass player. I thought he put to, he was. I feel bad for him and uh, the drummer. Uh, yeah, because I mean they got screwed out of all the royalties, and I mean right, they were, yeah. without the bass lines, I think a lot of that stuff would not have brought me into it as much because I'm always kind of more of the rhythm side of things. So like. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I would agree. If I Okay, so 15, I'll go with uh, Soundgarden Super Unknown. So that was probably the first, that was my favorite of the grunge bands. And that was the first album that I really experienced. And I would listen to that album every single day growing up. I can still listen to it now. And like you were saying, right, like it kind of I can put it in a perspective now and have context of my daily life, but it also can bring me back to certain times in the past. So I would say like, if there's an album that I ever have to go back to, it would definitely, I'll, I'll say super unknown by, by Soundgarden.
0: It's an excellent choice, man. I mean, it's, it's best played loud, right? That's the whole, the and, some great they, playing on the album. as well.
1: And they had temper temperament though, to throw in experimental stuff in there where it would drop off. They'd have a seven minute song where it would just be some really cool sounds that they were experimenting with. Um, It's got some really great, you know, top 10 hits, but then it's got stuff that is people never heard. And like I said, for my bang for my buck, I I always went with Soundgarden because Chris Cornell was kind of speaking more towards me when I heard him as a, a younger gentleman You know, Kurt Cobain didn't really speak to me as much. Eddie Vedder, not as much. Zach De La Roca, of course, anger is a gift. Rage Against the Machine. But I think Chris Cornell had that amazing voice and writing talent. And he was writing stuff that was up to interpretation. You know, you could listen to it and be like, well, what is this really about? And it could hit you. In a lot of different ways. But yeah, I would have to say that. I hear that quite a bit. I listen to it quite a bit.
0: Tell us someone you think's
1: overrated. Or you just don't get. Overrated. Well, I'll stay away from the pop stuff because I, I think that's probably Beatles. Haha. <laughs> Sorry. I've been saying right. it for years and people hate me. <laughs> I just just cause I'm not trying to be a jerk. I've thought about this for years, and I've gotten a lot of people that hate me for it or just think I'm trying to get attention. I just never felt a connection to them. I never felt that their lyrics were anything extremely deep to me. I never felt like there was anything that was really social. Um, They have a couple things that are a little personal, but I just felt like the writing was just, I never connected with any of it. I felt like it was a little too catchy. Not catchy. There, it just wasn't deep enough. I, I'm going to sound like a jerk with that. It was one.
0: maybe a bit style over something. In a I just respect. feel like
1: they built upon themselves. I mean, they could have put out anything and they would have been successful. You know, and they did. I mean, they put out some really terrible stuff. I mean, songs. I will say, just things. Yeah. I, I just, I can't. There's not a Beatles song really. I think Wait, that one I can listen to. But, I mean, there were some songs. I mean, they had the Happy Birthday song and Rocky Raccoon. Like, it just feels corny to me. I don't know. I Again, That's I know okay, I sound like – I've tried over the years. It's not like I don't try. I just – I don't feel musically they were as good as some of the other groups that are around lyrically. I think there was better writers like Eric Burton and and – and then the kinks, and I feel like there was people that were putting out social commentary and personal commentary that was more...
0: Had a bit more <laughs> substance or gravitas to it or dead.
1: You know, I mean, like, even if you take some of the Beach Boys stuff, I mean, like, I, again, they were more poppy, but, you know, Brian Wilson was talking about some pretty deep, dark stuff that I feel like... I don't know. Like I said, I just... I never... I, I try a lot, and then I try to branch off, and I just never got it. I just never understood it other than you have to like them because they're the Beatles.
0: Right. Well, I had a different kind of – remember digging into my, my old man's record collection when you're, whatever it was, 10, 11 years old, and you're kind of looking through it and around. In the first Beatles album, as well as the first Stones album, actually, I can remember it with the Decca sign on the front and all that. Yeah, kind of listening to them then, and then during my teenage years, I didn't really listen to them at all. And even in my twenties, and I just if if they were there, I listened to. it. If they weren't, it didn't it didn't mean anything to me. But probably as I got older, into my mid thirties, and then up to probably the present day, yeah, they, they still. I don't know that they, they just mean something more to me now than probably then.
1: Yeah, I but think maybe they the exact
0: opposite reasons that you've just described, you know, it's uh...
1: well, and I think also the personal experience. So, like, I know my father listened to a bit of the Beatles a little bit. I know if, if he were around, he would say, you know, there's some stuff there, but he was more he was kind of into a little. Like I said, I brought up the animals and Eric Burt and the a little bit more. I'll just say gritty, not as polished style of things i don't know like i said i just i never i actually like their later stuff i like mccartney's solo stuff and i like lennon's solo stuff and harrison's solo stuff more than i really like i like rubber souls yeah but like you know when i hear like me my, i just i don't connect with it like I, it's yeah i would no. say then uh i would say nirvana I, I would also put them in. I know I just sound like more of a jerk, but like, I just, I can't listen to them anymore. Like, you know what you're saying? What do you go to? I can listen to Soundgarden. I can go back and listen to Pearl Jam. I can listen to Radiohead. Nirvana, it just doesn't hold its thing anymore. The only album that I'll still listen to Nirvana is the Unplugged, and that makes me highly depressed, so I don't listen to it very much.
0: It, it is a bit of a somber tune, right? Yeah. it has a even when you you remember the the layout of the video oh, or the layout of the studio, the candles everywhere, candles
1: and it's just yeah, grim, you know. I mean, and then you put the context that what it was three months later that he blows his brains out. So I mean, it's like, and the song choices he picks. I mean, like. You know, I'd never listened to Bowie much when I was a kid. And, you know, like all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is an amazing song. He's picking mi- meat puppet songs. And, <laughs> I, and uh, I,
0: where did you sleep last night? Or the right, by the other thing, but the, uh, the lead belly, definitely.
1: yeah, lead belly. So, I mean, like, I think that was Kurt Cobain's greatest asset was the fact that, like, he really knew good music. You know, I mean, like, he picked stuff that people were like, you know, what is this? especially back then before you had, you know, any kind of way to find music other than the records. Right, yeah, the, the accessibility
0: committee didn't sound respect. Eh?
1: You know, I mean, and it wasn't over the, the top of like, he's doing it to try to sound, you know, be one of these music kind, you know, the people that pick out the most rare thing just because type of idea. I mean, he was picking really good tunes, but when it comes to Nevermind, like, it just doesn't have that pizzazz that I, I don't feel musically it's as good as, like, let's say Pearl Jam's first album. And I'm just picking stuff that I grew up with. You know, I mean, Pearl mm-hmm. Jam and Soundgarden were putting way better guitar riffs, guitar solos, drumming was amazing. Matt Cameron's one of my favorite ever, you know, the drummer of Soundgarden who now plays with Pearl Jam. I just felt like Nirvana. But if you look now, who what what T-shirts do you see young kids wearing? nirvana t-shirts you don't see anybody wearing pearl
0: that's face one right yeah you can have emoji looking one of them yeah that one
1: yep so that that covers the the desert eye the most overrated what was the next one
0: let's flip that on and say someone who's underrated in your opinion then
1: underrated I mean, you
0: could just basically say sound or pearl jam or someone
1: well i think if i went from that time period maybe go back uh,
0: and you and i talked about this once Thing we're talking about Blind Melon, right? You know, so there's these kind of bands like this They just kind of appear for an album and then maybe they do another album that's less then, you know, Tragedy Strikes or whatever happens to them or no one knows what it is.
1: Yeah, I would probably say like, you know, you do bring up Blind Melon and they always, they never come into the talk. They're always completely forgotten about. I mean, there's so many, right? And then as you get older, you realize that it's quite a common thing. You know, I mean, mm. you could throw in like a Pantera. I mean, most people don't know them and they were highly like influential for the small time period that they were. You know, it could be one of the best guitarists ever. I don't listen to them very often. That was the first concert I ever saw. I was 13 or 14 years old. Pantera? Um, bad. Good thing mom and dad didn't know what Pantera was. <laughs> um yeah, I was in ninth grade. It was the first real concert I went to. It was Typo Negative opened, and then Pantera came out. And I mean, I was 140 pounds, maybe, and not in the right place. <laughs> um, but not. But I, I would say there. Are, let's go like a little later then. Let, I'll, let's let's do something a little bit like more recent that's maybe like underrated. Who's trying to like carry on the tour tw- let's say like built to i'll go with uh built to spill they've been around for quite a while since like the late nineties um and it's one guy um and he had the same band for quite a while and they put together some really 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 good tunes and they got a little prominence in the early 2000s but then music kind of changed. It's hard to say it's a lot of guitar driven Amazingly put together stuff, though. Yeah, built to spill. I would say, like, but they're not really rated in the first place. You know? All right.
0: I'll let we listen to that, and uh, I'll let you know. Who should we be listening to, then? To Nick, what's or uh, tell us someone that we you know you'd like to tell us about on our playlist at a the moment.
1: They're kind of poppy, but I've been kind of getting, and I'm trying to get my kids to listen to some stuff that like is actually won't kill me. So I don't I don't want to listen to any more Moana soundtrack or Frozen so i i got them on to the jungle giants you know the jungle giants no <laughs> they're not they're not straight they're an australian band they've been they came out when like art art they came out it's kind of that arctic monkey new wave that came in like the late tooth like 2008 2009 mm-hmm. all right so they started off kind of like that style really bass, simple bass driven and now it's kind of turned into more of you, you know MGMT yeah okay the so it's kids, similar it's similar in that respect where it's kind of a digital blend with some pretty decent riffs that are a little poppy but the lyrics are kind of good and so i started getting my kids into cuz it's it's sort of dance music but it still holds a little bit of i don't know like quality so like MGMT the kids like Arctic Monkey so I've been revisiting that, but Jungle Giants—they're an Australian band. They're pretty good. Like it's a little poppy, but it's it's the kind of music that you could dance to or drink a beer to, and still feel like you're not going on the dark side of listening to like, you know, who's the guy you always make fun of there? Ed Sheeran.
0: It's funny that it comes back to this. Isn't it? This is the the Billy Eilish one, right? This is where mine usually comes back to.
1: But I mean, like that's. I mean, MGMT kind of went off on this thing. I loved Arctic Monkey, and I haven't listened to their last stuff. And Josh Holm, who is from...
0: Queens of the Stone Age and...
1: Right, and played, you know, he produces them now, or at least he did.
0: The first when they did was this whole, like, completely different sound and completely different image and all that kind of stuff. Like, the singer did this kind of, like, quasi kind of Vegas-type mode and all that stuff. And Yeah. Yeah, I did, It was... Two years ago, at least, or maybe even three years—that since the album came out. I think so. Yeah. I don't remember the name of it, but I—I I didn't really. I was like, yeah, okay, experiment with whatever you're doing, but you know. It,
1: that was the thing. I mean, you know, that when it comes to like reminiscing and stuff, when I first came to Korea, I came what 2006, almost 2007, and like that, those guys were kind of, I guess, from my feel, I never heard of them in America, but I was hanging out with some British folk. And uh, that was kind of like the underground scene that was coming out. You know, you had a bunch of them that were coming out. And, like, they made some really good songs there in the beginning.
0: Beautiful albums are great, actually. Really,
1: really, really good stuff. A social commentary in a way, too. Um, and, you know, it's these guys that are in a band from a small town and, you know, experience in those types of things. And it, they were kind of ex- talking about regular life things, which was Interesting. Cause I, that kind of gives you an insight of what's going on. And then it always happens though. Once you get kind of bigger, you lose those things to be able to talk about. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'll listen to it, but like I said, I, for the kids, like they'll, they'll listen to that kind of thing. Cause if not, we're just down. We listen to every Psy song. It got my YouTube got on Psy, And we were listening to like the whole Psy catalog and uh gangnam style and i love it and uh and they love it so now they want to hear it and i'm sitting here in 2021 and we're listening to gangnam style uh just like
0: the old days eh?
1: (laughs) but i mean it's funny because like they listen to it and you know like it's all right to dance around with a bunch of little kids you know now and then
0: you let yourself go a little bit it's all right
1: but it just shows you it's it's it doesn't matter I mean, it's a catchy music. It's perfect for four-year-olds, you know? (laughs) Well, I mean, I had a good conversation the other day about, I guess the term would be culture vulturing um, because I get kind of tired. I get that, you know, it happens across the board, but I mean, it's music. So, I mean, people are taking it and using it for what they will. And you can't say that they're not influential or they weren't impactful just because they were taking somebody else's style. Yeah, I mean, there's tons, man. I mean, I've had arguments with people about Metallica. I hate, I can't stand them. I tried to listen to them the other day to ride the lightning. And I'm just like, dude, I can't do it. One song, ACDC is another one, man. God, I just don't get it. I just, uh, the bell song.
0: (laughs) The Hills bells.
1: Yeah, I can get amped up. It gets me going. I hear the dong dong and I'm like, woo. And then after the second song, I'm just like, okay, enough
0: it's easy dc for you
1: it's been a pleasure all right craig well i appreciate it man
0: you can follow can't find my way home on instagram at can't Talk find my way home on facebook at expat music pod And of course, you can find us on Spotify, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts from, you'll find us there. Until the next one, this is Greg saying cheers.